James chapter 5. I'd like to read from verse 13 down to verse 18. The strength of prayer. The strength of prayer. If you found it, you can look up. James 5, 13 through 18. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Let me pause for just a moment. It just slaps you right upside the head, doesn't it? The, the stark simplicity of that counsel. I'm, we could save billions of dollars in counseling just taking the Word of God as the Word of God. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and they will pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. If any of you have committed sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other, pray for each other that you may be healed. Once again, prayer is the conduit by which the recovery, the blessing, the restitution, the restoration comes. And it continues, as James says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly, there was no rain, that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So Elijah prayed and he was as human as you and I. And yet we saw that, that God moved supernaturally through his life by prayer. Let me say to you this morning that when everything else in your life is weak, you can still have the strength of prayer. When you've run out of all of your energy and all of your resource, and when, when every thought has been exhausted in your mind and your emotions are depleted, there's a place you can go to be made strong, and it's called prayer, the strength of prayer. Through the strength of prayer, you can save a marriage. How many couples have been at the point of divorce, could not see a way out of the situation that they had fallen into? They've contacted the lawyers. They've exhausted the counseling. They have given up that their spouse is going to hear them or anything is going to change. And yet there, in that wonderful place of real contact with the Lord, God has handed out all kinds of miracles to men and women who are about to lose their family, lose their marriage. Through the strength of prayer, a marriage that's broken down and becomes so weak, they have to just simply end it. There is no coming back from that point of disaster, a marriage can be saved. Through the strength of prayer, you can face your faults. How hard it is, how hard it is sometimes to look in the mirror. We know what we're going to see. We know there's something that's not right in our life, but it's so painful 
to see it. It's so painful to look at it, we turn away. We don't have the strength within ourselves to face sometimes the flaws and the faults or the mistakes. There are people that live with regrets from decades past in their life that still torment them and they agonize over it. The memories bombard them. They dream about them. Sometimes when they're needing to and wanting to take a, a, a major step forward in life, there is that thought, that terrible regret of what had happened in a similar set of circumstances. And they see their faults. And they see their flaws. And it robs them of the confidence and the strength to take that step forward. How do you put that to rest? How do you face your faults in prayer? Because in prayer, God dissolves it and separates us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. Not only can we face those faults, but they become expunged. They become wiped out. God's love renews and regenerates us. But it only happens in that place of prayer. Through the strength of prayer, you can change directions in your life. How many of us not only want to make a direction change in our life, but we know that we should. We can't seem to to muster the energy or the confidence to close one chapter and begin another. There's a kind of paralysis that comes over us. It's called the familiarity of life. And we become familiar with our, our circumstances that we're in. And we, we need to change direction. We can't find the strength to do it. Where does it come from? In prayer. In prayer, God can give you a vision. He can speak to you. He can show you that bright light ahead on that new path and that course change that he's calling you into. And that's just the encouragement that you need to take that bold step. Through the strength of prayer, we can open up the wounded heart that's been closed. Counseling hasn't helped. People's sympathy hasn't helped. Mollifying that heart with distractions, perhaps addictions or drugs or one escape or the other hasn't worked. And you've got somebody whose life is closed down. They don't see how they could ever open up again and join the human race, reunite with people, enter into a relationship. There are so many people whose lives are over before they're finished because that heart is closed down. But through the strength of prayer, that strength that raised Jesus from the dead, that can give you a new life, can put to rest finally that wound and bring healing and forgiveness and recovery. How about launching a new mission? So many of us live for so long with that little vision, that mission that the Holy Spirit first inspired in our life but through perhaps lack of resources or fear or, or timidity <clears throat> or words that people have spoken over us. We've almost given up on the idea that it would ever come to pass. But it's in prayer. If God planted the seed, in prayer is where it will bloom. In prayer is where the strength will come. You don't need money to start that thing. You don't, you don't need three people to come along and tell you it's okay to do it. You need to pray and let God tell you it's okay. Let God launch that mission 
that He's put in your heart. Through the strength of prayer, we move forward in life. Because the strength of prayer is where we connect with God. That's where we actually have our vital connection with Him and we find the grace to change. It's in the strength of prayer we find the courage to act, the ability to understand what's going on around us, and the tenderness to love, to love others near and far. You know, the Bible is filled with stories of people who in their lives had gone just as far as they could go and they couldn't go any farther. Many of them were called and anointed of God. God's anointing was on their life, but they were still stuck and couldn't go forward. And they needed to find that transition point, that grace to transition forward, that strength that comes through prayer. And, and both throughout the Old and New Testament, they're just common people, like it says about Elijah, humans just like we were. I think of Jacob, who wrestled with the angel of God. How many of you remember that story? Jacob wrestled with the angel of God. The one thing we would, we would say about Jacob's story is that even though from his mother's womb he was preferred before his brother Esau, he was called of God before he ever came out of his mother's womb. The call of God was upon his life. The problem is, when he was born, he had a nature that was just crooked. And it, they, they named him Jacob, which meant subplanter. And he was a little subplanter. He was the favorite of his mother, but not of his father. And he and his mother connived a couple of times to get, a, to get where he thought he needed to get in life. And where it ended up leaving him was he ended up have dejected and having to go out and flee from before his brother. Here is Jacob, a man who knows that God has put a call upon his life. But he realizes that wherever he goes, there he is. He realizes that his nature is his biggest opposition and his biggest problem. Now, I don't want to see a show of hands, but how many of you at some point in your life came to the realization that the thing that's standing between you and what God has really called for in your life is something about you? Something about you, then because it's you, how can I put myself to death? How can I change or transform myself? I've been like this from my earliest recollection of myself, and yet it's the thing that keeps knocking me down and holding me back. But angel, the angel of God came to Jacob once. Once Jacob saw the angel, he pounced on him and started wrestling with him. It was prayer. He wrestled with the angel of God all night long. And when the dawn began to take place, the angel said, I got to go. And Jacob said, not until you bless me. Not until you bless me. Jacob was saying, not until you change me. And the angel dislocated his hip because he'd put him in one of those championship wrestling holds. And, and, and the angel, an angel, had the angel in some kind of a lock, and he couldn't get out. Had to knock his hip out. But after he did, the angel said, I bless you, 
From now on, you won't be Jacob, the subplanter. From now on, you will be Israel, a prince with God. And the story of Jacob's life transformed from that moment on. He was a different man. He behaved. He acted differently. And he was able to, being free from his own nature and having received a changed nature, he was able to move forward into God's call in his life. Isn't it awesome? How many of you, you see something God wants to do in your life and you want it, but you are in the way? Go and pray and let the strength of God make you capable. One other story, and then I want to get into the simple three points, practical part of this message. Strength to face the unbearable. Strength to face the unbearable. I think there's no greater example, no greater testimony about the strength of prayer to be able to prepare us to face what we, in our worst nightmare, would never want to face, but it's bearing down on us. And that example is found in no better place than in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Nobody knew, but like Jesus did, what he was about to face. He knew exactly what was waiting for him. He saw in his mind's eye, not just through the prophetic scripture, but because of the Holy Spirit that dwelt in him without measure. He knew exactly what he was facing. And he fell down on his face in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Under such strain, under such anxiety. He had perhaps never felt real anxiety like that a day in his life, had walked in that peace, but all of a sudden it seemed as though that that, that peace was pulled back and the worst of the world's fears and anxieties came barreling down on him and he began to sweat and perspire blood from his forehead as he cried out, Father, Father, if there's any way I could avoid this, is there any other way? He wasn't acting out that scene. That was genuine. Jesus was facing the unbearable. He knew they were about to tear his body apart. He knew the humiliation that God, the eternal almighty God, was going to look like an absolute and total failure. The religious leaders, who he knew were a bunch of hyenas, would be laughing and wagging their heads and jeering. Besides the physical pain, there was all of that emotional strain and the torment and the shame that he would face, facing the unbearable. Look, I know you came to church to be encouraged. What I'm about to say to you, I apologize in advance, but I'd like a little cooperation with a mental exercise. I'd like you to imagine right now that you've got one job left in your life. Right now, at 10 minutes to 11, you've got one job left, and it's to die. The doctor's just given you a report. You know there's no way around it. Your life is going to end. 
you're not going to leave this church. You're going to die in this place. A meteor will hit the church or something, but everybody's going to die. Imagine your life's going to be over right now. Whatever is waiting for you at home, most of you, if not all of you, have unfinished business, have unfulfilled desires and dreams, places you've wanted to go, things you know you desperately need to do, do you, you you have children you have grandchildren you have people that you haven't completed your assignment in life and yet and yet you know i'm going to die and i'm going to leave all of that on the table i'm going to leave all of that on the table undone i just want you to think for a moment and feel what it's like to be tied hand and foot and to be dragged into a situation you don't want to go in. Everything within you does not want to go to where you're about to go. And that happened to Jesus. He went there for you and I. How did he do it? The Bible said he prayed. And the scripture says as he prayed and poured his heart out, an angel from heaven came and ministered to him. And the strength of prayer filled Jesus. And he stood up and he marched. He marched as they led him into Pilate's court and before the Sanhedrin and to Calvary. And he is the champion of our faith and he is our hero. But he faced the unbearable with the strength of prayer. That's where it came from. And that, that place of strength in prayer is available to you and I. Well, I want to take the remaining few minutes and share with you three simple practical points to help us to be able to have the strength of prayer. First of all, let me say that the strength of prayer is the most powerful force on the face of the earth. There's no machine, there's no weapon, there's no university, there's no thought, there's nothing in this world all consolidated together that can equal the strength and the power of prayer. And I'll also say that there's no facet of the Christian life that is, that is under attack more than prayer. Satan lays a perpetual siege against your prayer life because he knows that that all that is said and done concerning the kingdom of God, the actual impact of it ultimately relies in the strength of prayer. No matter what we confess or what we do in our labors, it takes the strength of prayer to actually move forward. I think personally that, that if the influence of the church today is weak, it's anemic prayer that's to blame. It is the weakness of prayer that produces a weak church. No matter how much resource we have, no matter how much teaching, no matter how much we know to do, it still takes the energy that comes from prayer and fellowship with the Lord. So the three things that you must be, everything, uh, I'd like you to say, I must be. There are three things that you must be in order to have the strength of prayer. And here they are. You must be ready. You must be specific. And you must be thorough.
To have the strength of prayer, number one, you must be ready to pray. Romans 12 and 12 says, be instant in prayer. In our fast-paced world full of unexpected challenges, being caught off guard, unready to pray is a serious problem for Christians. Every single one of us have been there. The phone rings, an emergency presents itself, a need is there, and you're a million miles away from God. The last thing in the world you feel like doing is praying. In fact, you can't seem to find a connection to pray. Un, being unready to pray is a, serious in, is a serious issue with Christians, and it's an indication of how deeply distracted we let ourselves become in life. It's the exact position that Satan wants to get you into, is to get you out in that place where your mind, your emotions have drifted so far from the Holy Spirit that there's going to come one hour from now a need for you to pray and you're not going to be ready to pray. Our hearts and minds have trouble connecting with God because we haven't kept the lens of His Word up to our eye as we go through this life and view the world. We let the world talk to us about itself rather than letting the Word of God and the Holy Spirit talk to us as we go through the world. And that's one of the biggest reasons why we're not ready to pray is because we live based on the wisdom of this world. Not because we've gone out and said, I, I don't believe the Word of God, or we don't study the Word. We don't keep the lens of God's Word up to our eye every moment of the day as we go through life. And so because of it, all that bombards our senses, what we hear and what we see, fills us and drives a wedge. And when the moment comes to pray, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to begin. Make your readiness to pray the most important barometer of your life. Make that the most important barometer of your life. Make sure that you don't silence the alarm that signals when your heart and your mind drift across the lane into oncoming traffic. Make sure you keep that alarm good and loud. The minute you begin to drift away from the presence of God, when, when uh, whether watching TV or hanging out with your friends or spending time on the Internet, and the world is just prying you away, and you're not going to be back in that place where you're even ready to pray for four days till you get back into church again. Church was never intended to be a place for you to come and remember God. But the, the lack of readiness to pray is something that we need to be concerned with. Like I said, let your readiness to pray be the most important barometer on your soul. The second thing that we need to be is we need to be specific we need to be specific in prayer. I've noticed over the um, years how unspecific Christians are when they pray. We'll get together in a prayer meeting and someone will pray, Lord, heal everybody in Pinellas County. 
I, I don't know how to break it to you. That prayer's not going to be answered. I don't think it's even going to be heard. If you're going to be effective in praying, you, you have to know a little something. You, you, you need to be able to be specific. Every prayer in the Bible, and, and specific prayer doesn't necessarily mean long or eloquent prayer, but every prayer in the Bible that we read that got an answer was a prayer that hit the target. It, it knew what the real need was, and it prayed the, the, the correct answer. Jesus said in Mark chapter 14, watch and pray. You ever wondered what he meant, watch and pray? Watch and pray. And by the way, he said that when he was in the garden, praying that prayer. And he said to Peter and to John, he said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. God is saying, I know that you want to pray. I know that you want to walk in the Spirit. I know that you want to walk with God, but the flesh is weak. So what, what do you do about a weak flesh? Is you watch. When you walk through life, are you watching? Are you paying attention or are you just watching CNN? You're not watching because you watch Fox News. You're not watching because you watch the internet. You're never watching until you have the lens of God's Word up to your eye and the Holy Spirit sitting there in your heart and you're saying, Father, what is it that I'm seeing out there? Explain it to me. That's watching. Are you watching or are you just getting aggravated? Or are you just getting excited? Or are you just going through life and letting life explain itself to you? Sleepwalking through life rather than watching and staying vigilant is what causes the inability to focus prayer on a specific need and answer. Have you ever been called upon without any forewarning to pray? Of course, I think most of us. How ready were you? Sometimes it could be a very uncomfortable. You all of a sudden are, are scrambling Trying to, trying to locate, well, what should I pray? And, and sometimes the request is to pray for something very, very simple. It's not only a lack of readiness, but it's a lack of the ability to be specific. Can you recall when it's time to pray for something? Can you recall what does God's word say about this? How do I understand what's going on around me? Ineffective prayer is prayer that's not going to move heaven, and it's not going to bring an answer. In 1 Peter, it says, chapter 5, verse 8, keep your mind clear and be alert. Keep your mind clear and be alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion as he looks for someone to devour. If you are going to have the strength of prayer, you have to know how to be specific when you pray. Praying, oh Lord, heal everyone, make, a, make everything that's bad happening in Chicago stop. I'm sorry. It's just not specific enough. And um, 
And the only way to get that specificity is you have to know the Word and you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. I like to say you need to pray to pray. Sometimes it takes pre-prayer prayer to be able to be specific. The strength of prayer relies on your ability to be specific. Look, if you needed an operation, you needed a, a transplant or something, um, and, and you had to have an operation, you would go to a surgeon that knows what he's cutting into. Not just some dude with an anatomy book and a butter knife. You want somebody who's going to cut into you who, before they even start, they know where they're going. They know what to avoid. They know what it looks like when they see it. Isn't that right? That's like prayer. You need to be specific. Do you know what you're getting into? When you begin to pray for the lost to be saved, when you begin to pray for, for God to give us godly leadership, when you begin to pray for healing, do you know what you're getting into? Do you know what the Word says? Do you know why the problem is what it is? Do you understand the condition? If you're going to be specific, you need to know those things. That, that kind of insight comes from watching. Watch and pray, Jesus said. One of the reasons why we're not getting answers is not for a lack of praying sometimes, but it's a lack of praying with the right kind of specificity that's going to bring an answer. Don't let the world tell you who they are and what to think about them. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, he that is spiritual judges all things. The devil would love nothing more. It's exactly what he wants. Christians who don't judge. I judge. I may not condemn, but I judge. That word judge means to appraise. So you just better know that it, as I go through life, I evaluate and I praise. And I, sometimes I have to ask the Lord, well, Lord, what is that? And he'll tell me. Why do I do that? So that when I pray, I've already spent time looking at the situation and asking God to show me what's going on in this situation. What does your word say? And Holy Spirit, show me how to, how to go through this. We need spiritual surgeons who can pray, who can be intercessors and perform those spiritual operations. But God is not going to turn you loose on the world to pray with an anatomy book and a butter knife. You need to learn how to be specific and practice. And there's one other thing I'd like to say uh, about the ability to be specific when you pray is you've got to care enough about the answer to ask the Lord to show you the lay of the land. How should this thing be prayed for? When you pray for your children, if, if you have children or grandchildren, you have prayed. Whether you like it or not, you have, at one point or another, it will drive you to pray when you have kids. It's much better to be able to pray having had the Lord show you your child, and understand them so that you can pray 
according to God's will and not just try to impose yourself upon them. There's nothing more frustrating than a father or a mother trying to force or impose their ideas upon their child without understanding the nature of their child. That's why Kathy always says, raise up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. I mean, there are obviously certain boundaries that all of us should go that way. But beyond that, everyone's different. Every child is a little different. If you don't understand your child, you're not going to pray with any accurate specificity concerning them. Ask God for wisdom. And finally, in terms of that kind of specificity, it takes desire. I think sometimes we lack the ability to be specific in prayer because we're just not interested in the answer enough. We don't care enough. Sometimes we're praying because the Bible says we should pray. Sometimes when we pray for unsaved people, we do it because, well, we're Christians, we should be praying for the lost. But, but we really don't care enough to stay at it until we've actually gotten an answer. However, Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. A lack of desire is as critical to prayer as faith is. Do you really want to see that person get saved? Is there desire in your heart? Where is that desire at? If you truly want to see the answers that you're praying for, you will pray until you get that specific wisdom, and then you'll hit the mark and get the answer. Let me bring this to the third and final point, and that is you must be thorough. You must be thorough when you pray. The old timers used to call it praying through. A couple of you bobbing your heads. You've heard that expression the old-timers would say, bless God, we need to pray through. Praying through simply means that you pray until you receive the answer or the promise of an answer. You don't stop praying until you know God has answered or He has given you the assurance that the answer is on the way. In Acts chapter 12, it says Peter was arrested. He was facing a death sentence, and he was kept in jail. And the scripture says that Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing. They, were, they had set themselves to pray through. So prayer was made without ceasing by the church unto God for him. Now, I'm not saying that every time you pray for something, your friend calls you up and says, pray for my uncle, he's got kidney stones and uh, that you're supposed to get on your face and pray until three days later when they call you up and say, oh, it's over with, he's passed the stones. Oh, thank goodness. I can go do something else. But I don't want to minimize the idea. Sometimes you, you have a half dozen prayer sessions bringing that same thing before God until you've broken through, until you've got that answer. It's called praying through. And unfortunately, we have the misunderstanding about faith that you should just pray once and then just know that God's done it and just thank Him after that. I prayed. You've ever had a friend call you up and say, oh, would you pray for me or pray with me about this? And you pray, I said that prayer, go, we're done, move on from there. 
But the things you really care about, you pray through. You pray through. Prayer without ceasing was made for Peter. And you know what? The angel of the Lord released him out of prison that night. And as he made his way through the streets of Jerusalem, he came to the house where the church gathered, and they were too busy praying to let him in. So he's standing out at the door looking around because he knew he was an escaped prisoner. But they were too busy. A girl tried to let him in and went back and told the others, said, stop, we're praying for Peter. Shut up, don't bother me. They were praying through. Hallelujah. But God had answered. I talked about Jacob. Jacob wrestled with that angel. I'm not going to release you until you bless me. That's praying through. The strength of prayer will not relent until the answer comes. Now, I've got to tell you this morning, you can't pray through on prayer fumes. A lot of Christians running on prayer fumes. You're not going to get very far on prayer fumes. You need a full tank, a full tank of mental vision. You need to, if you're going to be effective and pray through, you need to know a little something about what, what God says about your circumstance, about the world. You need a strong mental vision that, that God answers prayer. This is why Paul said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved and not ashamed. So many Christians walk in spiritual shame because they won't put the time in to build up their inner man and to study the Word of God. And I think that probably a lot of Christians think, well, I'm not the pastor. The, I, let, I don't study. The, I let the pastor study for me, and then he gives me a little lesson at once a week. And uh, I'm good. But, but that's, that is not, that is not, that's prayer fumes. You got about, when we run on prayer fumes, you know what that is. All right, we're going to pray, and you got about one minute, and you're done. You've said everything you can think to say. You've got no more to say. You're empty because your mind's empty. You don't know anything else. Then. You've, you've used up your scripture. You've used up your, your prayer phrase. <laughs> And there's nowhere else to go. You're parked, you're stalled out on the side of the road, and you haven't gotten to the answer yet. Are you listening to me? Without a filled-up mind, it's hard to have a made-up mind. If you're going to pray through, you've got to have a made-up mind. And a made-up mind is not one that's rooted in emotion. It's rooted in having a filled-up mind, filled with the Word of God. When I start to pray, and I don't, I don't present myself as a great prayer warrior or anything. I, I, should, I could be a lot farther along in this business than I am after all these years. But, but I will say this. When I get down and begin to pray, it scares me how much I remember, how much I know. I had years of not just packing the scriptures in there, but unpacking them and learning them and, and, and breaking them open and letting the Holy Spirit show me how these verses apply to the various areas of life. It's amazing to me how Christians today cannot discern the hour that they're living in. They, they don't understand how to deal with the dilemmas, the most basic problems in life, the most, the most simple dilemmas about right and wrong. They can't seem to figure them out. 
Jesus had a similar feeling when he looked at Jerusalem and just shook his head. He said, you guys, you learn, you learn um, uh, how to discern the weather, but you can't discern the hour and time that you live in. And he said, God's move has come and you're missing it. You do not know the hour of your visitation because you don't know the word and you haven't bothered to ask the Holy Spirit, explain the world to me that I am living in. Show me where I am in this world and show me what all this is around me that's going on. God will show you if you will park yourself in prayer and let the Lord show you. You could go out, have a busy day. You could have a a difficult day. You could have a confusing day. But you can come home and get on your face and begin to pray. If you've got a nice full mind filled with strong faith-oriented thoughts that have been developed by, by devouring God's Word, you start to pray, open that treasure chest, and all kinds of stuff will come out. I get in the place of prayer, and boy, the Holy Spirit pulls all sorts of treasures out. I'm, I love to keep notebooks. I imagine some of you do. I know my wife's got a library at her little prayer chair of just all these little notebooks. Every time God's showing her something, she's writing it down in little arrows and colors and everything, connecting this verse to that one, and just, it's engineering. Antonio's an engineer. You know what I'm talking about? Well, this works because this started over here and connected to that. This operation engages this procedure. And when it's all done, we got this result. And he knows how we started there and ended up there. If you're going to pray through, you're not going to last the first good turn. You're going to be done if you haven't spent time and let the Lord show you how does God deal with man. What does the word say in understanding the covenants and the promises of God? Filled up mind will help to produce a made up mind. So in conclusion, your prayer life is your actual relationship with God. Think about it. Your relationship with God isn't what your faith says you have. Your relationship with God is what your prayer life actually is. That is your actual relationship. Just like marriage. You might have a ring on one finger and a certificate stuffed away in a photo album somewhere that says you had a wedding. But your marriage is your actual communication with each other. Prayer is your actual relationship with God. So because of that, pray without ceasing. Never stray too far from prayer. Keep your conscience tender and your thoughts always standing in the doorway of prayer, ready to pray, specific and thorough. Amen? All right, I'd like you to just to close your Bible for a moment. Stand up with me.